So we're just going to take um, a little break in the series we've been in in Matthew. We're in the kind of the middle of the Beatitudes, and we'll get back to that soon. Uh, if I haven't had uh, the chance to meet you yet, my name is Andrew, and I am the, I don't know what you call me, um, the senior pastor, the lead pastor, I don't know, whatever the least hip version of that title is. That's me. Um, and, um, you know, I mentioned this last week, but one of the things we want to do is just sort of acknowledge the obvious that um, this is a totally new season. <laughs> Not only is it fall, which again, I don't enjoy pumpkin spice latte, so that fall means nothing to me. It really, it's dead to me, really. It's just bringing shorter days and colder weather. And so, the pumpkin spice latte doesn't, it doesn't help for me, at least. Um, I forgot where I was going, but anyway. Uh, so the obvious is this is a, t a new season and we're in uncharted waters everywhere in every part of our society and our families and, and in the church as well. And I was talking with another pastor in St. Catharines and he had quoted some statistic, I don't know who it was from, that just said, right now, in the life of the body of Christ in North America, especially, 30% uh, of people are shifting churches right now. And that would be indicative of our church. I don't know a lot of you. I've never met a lot of you, and, and that's okay. It's just a reality. And we want to acknowledge that. And today is just a bit of a glimpse into the heart that we have for our house, for this church. I don't often call it a house, but some people do. But today we're just talking about the heart we have for this church and some of the, the core convictions that God has given us that are setting the direction. Um, I'm not even going to attempt to tell you I know what's gonna be taking place in six months or a year I'm not coming to you with a fancy, flashy, like 10-year plan here. Um, I'm just telling you what the heart of God is for our house and inviting you into that conversation and, and acknowledging too, for some of you, uh, you're not gonna stay very long. Maybe you'll find out that this isn't the church that you wanna root in and that's okay. Uh, some of you are just sort of tentatively checking things out, and that's awesome. We're so thankful that you're here. Um, and some of you have been here for a long time. Some of you have come back, and you were here before, and you've come back. And so we just want to kind of recalibrate ourselves and just be honest about it as we do. Um, yeah. I'm going to get into this and. You can follow along, and then near the end, I'm going to invite, we're going to have our staff come up here just so that you can see them and know um, what ministry areas they are leading. All right, so the heart of our house, this, the first thing that I just, I just want to lay out to you, and, and I didn't even realize this until maybe a year ago, um, the first thing I just want to lay out to you, and the reason why I'm not giving you like 16, you know, value statements and, uh, you know, a, a super cool and hip vision statement today, the reason why 
is that we actually believe in order to understand where we are and where God is leading us, we have to understand where we've been and what he's done. God has deposited a DNA into, I think, the life of every church and a specific calling for that church. For us, it's important that you would understand that we don't, uh, we don't sit down and whiteboard strategy. We don't use sort of a corporate culture to try and define vision and strategy and values. Um, those exercises can be helpful, but we actually don't feel like God is saying, hey, put your heads together to creatively figure out who you are. We feel him saying, get on your knees and ask me who I've made you to be. And that takes time. It actually takes a lot of time. This, what we're talking about today, in some ways, is going to feel so trivial and simple, but this is the product of four and a half years of prayer and wrestling. And it's not even as clear as it could be. Let's just be honest about it. So the heart that we have as a church doesn't come from strategic leadership, whiteboarding strategy sessions. It comes from prayer. It comes from saying, God, show me what you've been doing in the life of the church. Where have you been present? What, what character and nature have you built into us that we don't even recognize yet? Teach us to recognize those things that you put in. It's just like as a parent, you know, I, I look at my kids and I, I, as I'm praying for them, I'm saying, God, show me what you've put in them which you've hardwired into their DNA. And so for us, vision forward is actually a reflective process where we're discerning backward and going, show us what you have been doing. Where have you been working powerfully? What are the kinds of things that we just do without even thinking about it or planning for it? What is that stuff like? And so in that vein, we believe that and just as I've been studying scripture um, and really looking into the life of Jesus over the last few years, I see three essential characteristics that he modeled in his life that I feel God has called us to step into as a church. We see these in the Gospels. We see his discipling, disciples taking on some of these bits of character. So three essential characteristics. These form the foundation of everything we do as a church. Number one, Jesus lived with the Father in a deeply intimate and dynamic relationship. That was the foundation of the life of Jesus. We see this all through the Gospels. We see this when we hear of Jesus retreating into the wilderness by himself, going up on a mountain to pray. We see this when uh, in Jesus' baptism, when the Father says to him, you are my son with whom I'm well pleased. We see this on the mountain of transfiguration when God again comes and publicly identifies Jesus as his beloved, as his son. Jesus, more than anything, lived with the Father in a deeply intimate and dynamic relationship. I see that as the beginning point for all spiritual life and growth. So that's the first thing that I recognize as an essential characteristic of Jesus's. We see that, that Jesus um, 
he practiced this, he cultivated this in his life. Like, did you know that in Hebrews, it says that Jesus learned, so first big aha moment, he had to learn things. He was fully man. He was fully God at the same time. But he surrendered his divine privileges to act on his divinity. He surrendered that in order to become a man. In Hebrews, it says he learned obedience through what he suffered. Jesus learned. He had to develop intimacy with the Father, just like you and I do. And we see that Jesus did this through spiritual practices. We see that he did it through um, um, silence and solitude, studying and memorizing scripture, prayer, worship, a life of devotion to God. Those are just a few of the things. So all of Jesus' doing for the Father flowed out of his being with the Father. That's the absolute, if you want to draw everything down to the bottom, the very core of it, that's the first characteristic that we recognize in the life of Jesus. The second one. So not only did Jesus live with the Father, Jesus lived like the Father would have himself lived in every way. This is so key. Jesus was the living, breathing expression of the nature of God, the heart of God, the character of God, the life of God. So not only did Jesus live with the Father in every sphere of his life, emotionally, spiritually, relationally, how he spoke, how he acted, how he reacted, how he dealt with life and situations around him, Jesus lived like the Father. And what I mean by that is Jesus naturally did and said the things that the Father would do and say. So his character was so deeply formed by his intimacy and living with the Father. His character was so deeply formed that Jesus naturally acted like the Father. So when you encountered him, Jesus could say like he did in John 14, hey, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you've come into contact with me, you've literally come into contact with God himself. And it's being expressed in how I relate to you, how I speak to you, how I deal with conflict and trial and suffering and trouble. It's how I deal with emotional realities in life. It's how I process my my desires versus God's, all of those things. Jesus grew into so that he became fully like the Father. Jesus lived with a heart of faithfulness and devotion to his Father that worked itself out in obedience to God's kingdom rule in his heart. So at no point was Jesus' heart a divided one. It was consistently the heart of the Father because he learned to live with the Father in deep intimacy And he allowed the Father, he allowed God to do the things that were necessary in his character and his inner life that would form him into being a man that was like the Father. 
in how he related to the world. His emotions and his thinking, his responses and reaction, they were all an exact representation of how the father interacted or would have with the world around him. Third thing, this is three of three. So Jesus lived with, he lived like, and then Jesus lived out his kingdom authority on the earth. He did this in a few ways, by boldly proclaiming the good news. We heard about that in Matthew 4, that that's what he went around proclaiming. The good news was the good news that the kingdom of God had come and the, the rule of the kingdom of darkness was now in the process of being toppled and destroyed. That was in part what the good news was. Jesus lived out the kingdom, his kingdom authority on the earth by healing the sick and by freeing people from demonic control. We see this all through the Gospels. Jesus expressed the mission and authority of the kingdom of God over the principalities and powers of the kingdom of darkness. In this way, Jesus was destroying, actively destroying the influence and effects and work of the devil. 1 John 3.8, John says Jesus came to destroy the work of the devil. That was his mission. He didn't come to just give you and I a golden ticket to heaven. That's part of it. But Jesus literally came to destroy the work of the devil. The influence and effect, the impact of sin and the reign of evil in God's universe. And to do that, Jesus lived out his kingdom authority on the earth. These, I believe, are the three baseline essential characteristics of life in the kingdom. And I believe that these are the things, when you boil everything down, that God is calling us into as a church. So uh, in light of that, as a church, we have just three focus points to help us become the kind of people he's called us to be. Number one, God's calling us to live with Jesus. His first call in your life and my life is to walk in relational depth and intimacy with, with him. That's his first call. If you're not doing that, though, none of the rest makes sense. If you're not doing that, then you get into the realm of people operating in God's power and anointing with massive dysfunction under the surface that lead to all the disasters that we've witnessed in the Christian world with these highly acclaimed leaders who have these catastrophic falls because they have not been diligent to develop intimacy with the Father, to root their life in his presence, to allow him to shine his light on their soul and their heart, to, to confront their character and the things that, that are twisted and dysfunctional in their life. They, they haven't been willing to be diligent with that, and so they operate in this area of power and authority, but their character and their inner life can't support and sustain it. And then we have these tragedies happen. So the first thing he's calling us to do is to live with Jesus. The second thing he's calling us to live like 
Jesus. The third thing is he's calling us to live out the kingdom mission and authority of Jesus on the earth. So these three things give us a direction and point us to who God is calling us to be so that we can do the kinds of things that Jesus wants to release us to do on the earth. And just this is a a super high-level skimming of this. Next Sunday night, we start um, what we're calling, for lack of a better name right now, uh, Kingdom Culture. Next Sunday night, we start that, and we're taking a deep dive into this stuff and talking about the, the life in the kingdom that we see Scripture calls us to and how that works itself out in our church. But those are the three core convictions of our church. Earlier this year, in one of my own sort of personal moments of struggle, just with everything going on in the world as a leader, not having one one clue of how to lead in this moment. I'm looking at, you know, people in our church who I'm meeting with every week and and they're suffering greatly. They're being pummeled emotionally. Culture is just sucking the life out of them and, and sitting down with people who are so broken and hurting and seeing people leave the church and people come to the church and it's like there's nothing solid or secure and I was crying out to God in this one moment of just desperation, like, I don't know what to do. I don't know, I didn't even want to lead this church, let alone think I know how to lead it. I don't know what to do. And in this moment, this just desperate moment of crying out to God and going, you gotta give me something that I can work with. He drew my attention to Matthew 16. I just want to read it for you and point out one thing about it. Matthew 16, 13 to 19, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah, one of the other prophets. Then he asked them, but who do you say I am? Simon Peter Peter answered, you're the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, you're blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven, and whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. And the phrase that hit me like a ton of bricks there in that moment was Jesus' statement, I will build my church. And that came as actually a rebuke to me. And only the way that God knows how to do that in a constructive way. I'm not, I haven't figured that part out very well yet. That came as a rebuke and he said, Andrew, I said I would build my church. You're trying to do my job. I've told you to pour your life into people. To shepherd them and lead them and disciple them. 
not to build a church. Andrew, you are trying to do my job and you're trying to pass your job off to me. And in that moment, it was like this, this holy moment there and he said, you have to release this to me. It's not your job to build a church. It's your job to love people, to pour your life into theirs, to sit with them when they're hurting and broken, to pray for them, to lead them into spiritual vitality, to help them to know me. That was a seismic shift. And so even as I present some of these just bullet points to you today. My goal, our stated goal is not to build a church. But to walk with you into the very heart and presence of God and see what he does in your life. To be willing to confront you and love you and pray for you and walk with you in every high and low moment of your life not to build the church, not to get fixated on numbers and budgets and all of, like there's importance to that. I'm not disparaging that fully. But for far too long, especially in our Western culture, we've been church builders and we've used every secular tactic we can, the pastor, CEO, and you know finance directors, and all of this kind of stuff, and there's helpful tools in there. But what we've done is we've abdicated our responsibility to love people and leave the growth with God, to love people and actually leave the results to God. And so he said, Andrew, I said I would do it. You need to stop doing my job and start doing yours. Which is actually when, you know, last, whatever it was, January, when we had a lockdown, we went to 10, groups of 10 here. And we did like 15 a week, as many as we had to do. There was nothing fancy or spectacular about it, but they ended up being so life-giving and powerful because we were sitting with people in the presence of God and just walking through life together. So God has called us into that kind of church ministry. Jesus said he would build his church not us. That's why Sunday morning looks the way it does. That's why this fall we're reintroducing worship nights and as soon as we can, revival weekends because we are focused on together encountering the presence of God. Being with Jesus together. That's what I feel we're called to. That's why for Two years, and COVID has kind of messed this up a bit, but for two years, we had a team of people who prayed all through the night on Saturday. All through the night, one-hour shifts, taking a one-hour shift every week from whatever, 10 o'clock, 9 o'clock Saturday night to 9 o'clock Sunday morning, week after week after week, just people in the church willing to get on their knees and seek the face of God. Our, this is not about entertainment. We're not trying to entertain you. We're trying to walk into the very presence of God and allow him to do the work that he needs to do. We do those Saturday night prayer things because we're passionate about the presence of God over performance. 
And I want to, we're going to start it again. And I, I'm going to, I don't even know how we're going to do this well. We're going to figure it out. But I want to invite you into that. To like actually lay your life on the line. Like stay up, get up at 2 a.m. Try it and pray for an hour. Then you'll know what Paul said when he said, I, I give you my body as a living sacrifice because this is sacrificial. This is the last thing I want to do in the middle of the night, but my body isn't my own. My time's not my own. My life isn't my own. So I'm going to give it to get on my knees to pray, God, that you would show up in people's lives the next day. That's why we do it. So when we're here, our, our, our purpose is not to just entertain you or perform for you or to, to leave you walking out feeling like, wow, that was really great. Our purpose is to encounter the presence of God. So we're going to set that up and we'll let you know and we'll invite you into that. It's why when I'm out in the parking lot with our our volunteers who are helping you park, we start the morning by walking the property and praying. Praying for you. Every vehicle that drives in, praying as best we can, asking God to do something in your lives. The, the parking team, that's not just waving a wand. I don't even know how to do that right. <laughs> it's actually a, a spiritual thing. We're establishing the authority and rule of Christ on our property physically. We're praying for our neighbors. We're covering this place spiritually. We're asking the Holy Spirit to make us alert and aware to anything he wants us to say or do to encourage, to prophetically speak into somebody's life. Why? Because more than anything, we care about the presence of God and him working in your life in a deep way way. That's why we spend time in prayer Sunday morning, or often I will, or Pastor Brenda, or Alex, or Spencer, Jess, whoever, will we'll take time in the middle of the service to just pray or, or to hear from God, to, to process deeply, because we care about his presence. As a, a leadership function in our church, I understand that in order to lead, in order to lead you, which I'm never going to do like a great job at, just by the way. So just keep that in mind if you're just checking this church out. That's, it's just a guarantee. I'm going to disappoint you. I'm going to say something I shouldn't or do something like... I'll offend you somehow, some way. I thought I would be the only leader on earth to never do that, but that hasn't worked out. But I've come to realize in this last year and a half that in order for me to lead and in order for our church to lead, we must first follow. My leadership means nothing if I am not connected at the hip Siamese twin with Jesus in my life. My leadership is nothing. In order to lead, we must follow. If we're going to see renewal and awakening in our families and in our church and in our culture, it will actually take us stepping out of this, we're leading this thing kind of realm into Jesus, where are you? I want to be where you are. I want to follow where you're walking. And I'm willing to slow down and shut up and stop the activity in order 
to first follow. Matthew 6.33, right? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else will flow from that. Are you living that, like actually living it in your life? To seek first his kingdom means to look for it everywhere, in every sphere of your life, to look for it. To look for his purposes and his calling, to, to look for his rule and his reign everywhere. Like, like that set of keys that you keep losing, right? Or that phone that you have to put on, find my phone in order to find it three days out of the week. Like you're looking everywhere. Are you looking in your life everywhere for the kingdom rule of God? So this leads me, I'm going to just sort of skip a few things. In order to lead, we must first follow. Here's a, here's a key thing I want you to know about our church. We're not trying to sell you something. I'm not, I'm, I'm not interested in just having lots and lots of people come. I'm not interested in, you know, pitching something that's palatable for you in your life. I don't want to be depressing all the time. I know that's kind of my default sometimes. But I'm not trying to be depressing, but I'm not trying to sell you something. I'm trying to lead you somewhere. As a church, our focus won't be just kind of shiny, flashy, sort of draw attention, get like lots and lots of people here. Our focus is actually to lead you into intimacy with Jesus, to lead your life so that your character comes into conformity with Christ, so that then he can release you to do the things he's called you to do on the earth. So I would say it this way, we don't need to convince people to come to church. Jesus never tried to convince someone to follow him. In fact, if you look at the Gospels, several occasions he's actually rude to people <laughs> or dismissive or rejects them outright, gives them a high standard in their life, a high calling. Jesus didn't try to convince people to follow him, and he's not inviting us to do that as well. Our heart is to slow down to the pace of Jesus and allow him and his presence to be the most attractional thing for you in the life of this church. This, the, the presence of the Holy Spirit is the most attractional force in the universe. So I don't need to sell something or pitch something, try and, you know, sell you ice cream in Alaska. I don't need to try and do that. I, I need to actually walk with you into the presence of Jesus and allow that to be the thing that brings transformation into our life. So last thing here, and then uh, why, staff people, why don't you guys come up? That'll help me with my time. <laughs> so much of this we're gonna cover in our kingdom culture stuff, and we're gonna just take a deep dive into this stuff. So if that first massive conviction or thing that God spoke to me in the last year was, I will build my church, not you. The second is this. Jesus is more interested in who we're becoming than what we're doing or building for him. He's more interested in who you're becoming than what you do for him. 
He's more interested in who we are becoming as a community than in what we're trying to build for him. The building and the strategy, that stuff will flow, but it needs to flow out of the work of Christ in our lives and in our hearts. I won't read the whole thing, but I think this best is reflected in John 21, which is the scene with Peter after, he's, after he has denied Christ, he's on the beach with Jesus, and Jesus says three times, do you love me? What Jesus is doing is saying, Peter, you told me that you would fight for me, and you tried. You cut off the servant Malchus's ear. You, you, you used your strength and aggression. You used sort of like your desire for change and transformation and culture, and Jesus meets him on the beach and says, Peter, I've got to get at your heart first. What I want to do in your heart, Peter, is more important than what you can do for me. Because when God gets a hold of the heart and the character, it unlocks a supernatural potential in our lives. All right, skip, skip, skip. <laughs> It's just a teaser for you to come next Sunday night. All right. So you guys can, here, Spencer. Somebody can sit down. This is really awkward. Pam, come up on the stage. What are you doing? All right. Sit down here. You guys are making me feel weird here. You're all standing like you don't know what to do. All right. So we thought we would take this moment. Alex, you should let your wife sit down. Oh, my goodness. I'm going to be in so much trouble at staff meeting tomorrow for that. <laughs> All right. Okay. Um, so in this... <laughs> oh. Luckily, we're, like, very close to family. Spencer's giving me the fear eyes, like, you don't know what you just did. All right. Um, so in this season in the life of our church. These are our staff members. And um, what we want to do is, uh, as we end here today, we want to invite you into the life of the church. We're in a season where we literally are starting over from scratch. We really are. And we didn't plan it that way, but that's just the way it is. And, and we are unapologetically inviting you in with us. We don't really have the ability to be a church of spectators. We actually have to be the body for the body, to the body and with the body. And so why don't you guys just quickly uh, just go through, let us know which area of ministry or ministries you're leading and um, some of the teams that actually you are looking for volunteers where there's opportunity to serve. I'll start uh, with Alex. I think you... Perfect. Um, awesome. What teams? That's a lot. That's a big list. Um, so I oversee youth and um, junior youth, as well as uh, family ministry and um, men's ministry, as well as some pre-marriage stuff. So if you're looking to get married, um, it's really great to be able to sit down and uh, just go over some of the things that will come up. I know, I always say this, uh, you will not see yourselves in any of these issues because you're in love. But once 
the next day, you'll see it. Um, <laughs> it's there. Um, so so it's, it's just great to be a part of that um, as well. We have great discussions. And then my email, uh, alex at mp.church. There's a ton of things that, that I would love to be able to have you guys involved in. Um, if you're passionate about leading youth and you think that's something that you would do, I'd love to be able to talk to you. Um, we have a youth program, a junior high program. We also... Uh, have a lot of opportunities within married couples. We try to do um, like a marriage night and a parenting night probably uh, twice a year. We try to do one of those. Um, and so if you'd like to be kind of in the planning stages of that, I would love to talk to you about that as a husband and wife, not to find a husband and wife, but being a husband and wife as a team on, on that. That would be great. So everyone's email is pretty simple. It's their first name, at MP, Mountain Park, MP.com. Nope, church. Darn it, everyone. And that just screwed it up for the rest of the year. Because literally everyone's like, church.com. Don't do that. Dot church. Spencer and I are um, overseeing worship, and that's kind of where we're at. And, um, yeah, the need right now is everything. Yeah. <laughs> So if you, um, if you have a, a gift and a talent uh, to uh, play an instrument, to sing, to do a sound, pro presenter, um, we just, yeah, we're interested in talking with you because uh, we just, the more, the more the merrier. And the more we can all just be a part of it, the more that it's just even collective on a Sunday morning. Yeah, with that, obviously, worship is a huge culture of our church and very important. And we have, like maybe one or two at most people per instrument or space. So if you have any sort of talent, we need you. Seriously, we really need you. It's vital. So come and, and talk to one of us or email one of us, same thing, not.com, spencer at mp.church or jess at mp.church. On top of that, um, production is a huge thing as well, whether that be sound mixing or pro presenter specifically. Basically, pro presenter is like that one job that nobody wants to do, but it's like literally the most important job in the church because you can't worship if you don't see anything. You heard me forget the lyrics. So like, that is so important. <laughs> so yeah, so pro presenter is really important. And I know you all know how to scroll on a phone. A computer's not that much different. So uh, hit me up with that. Also, I kind of oversee a lot of the communications, online, social media stuff. So if any of you have a passion in like graphic design or running socials or anything like that, you can contact me because always welcome. Or any sort of creative thing like photography or whatever, you name it, email me and we can chat about a place for you to be. Hello, everyone. My name is Pam and I oversee the kids ministry here at Mountain Park. And I just wanted to make you all aware that you're really missing out. It is actually the best kept secret in this place that the, all the fun is downstairs. The fun is not in here. It's all downstairs and you've been missing out. And the candy and the prizes are downstairs. So I just wanted to make you all aware just so that you're not missing out anymore. But we really do love uh, being with the kids here at Mountain Park. This is an awesome 
amazing group of kids. They're so great. They're actually so fun to be with. And we just need you guys. We need your help. We can't run it um, without you. And the kids are always looking for people to um, look up to and just have extra people in their lives to encourage them. And that's all we're really asking you to do. We do a lot of the planning and organizing. So you guys literally just get to show up and have fun with them. And um, we really believe in kids ministry here because I don't know about you guys, if you have kids or grandkids or nieces and nephews, but this is kind of a scary time. There's a lot of uncertainty going on in our world today, and especially with all of the outside influences and the continual influences that our kids are um, experiencing, and we just want to make sure that every week we are teaching the kids what God says about them, what God promises for them, because we know that that is the most important thing um, in their lives, and to, to actually prepare these kids for eternity, right? Like, everything that goes on here doesn't really matter if you're good at sports or if you're a good artist or if you can play the violin. Like those things are fun, but what matters is your relationship with Jesus that's going to last into eternity. And that's what we really believe in um, teaching the kids downstairs with candy and fun. So if you can imagine that, that's what you want to be a part of. Yeah. A couple of weeks ago, speaking of candy, I came into my office and there was a, a melted jumbo freezy hanging off my desk, just pouring down onto the floor. And I said, Pam. So yes, they do give candy. And one of our big things is that, and Pam, I think you're the one who brought this. We, there's no junior Holy Spirit, right? There's no junior Holy Spirit. So we can walk into the same life-changing encounters with God with our kids as we do up here. And that's our heart is to do that. So Brenda. Hi, I'm Brenda. And I don't really know how to say what exactly I do here, except um, preach sometimes and then help do all the other things that happen during the week. One of the things I really love to do, though, is um, meet with women or sit down with people to talk about their spiritual growth and transformation. And if I were to say that we are anything here at Mountain Park, our heart is that we desire transformation over information. You can have all the information in the world about who Jesus is, but if it's not applied to your life and actually transforming your life from the inside out, it doesn't matter. It's, and so um, I'm super passionate about that, about, about us taking the word and actually applying it to our lives and actually seeing our lives transformed. Andrew used the scripture about Jesus coming to destroy the works of the devil. And often we want to see that happen around us, right? We want to pray for other people. We want to see miracles happen around us. But the greatest place where Jesus is destroying the works of the devil is actually in our own hearts and in our own lives. And actually it starts there before we have the authority to take over other spaces. And so that's what I am super passionate about. And I just want to say this, um, because I know we have to close up really fast, but I do want to say this. We are generally not those cultures here in Canada that are like super honoring. Like, you know, the churches, I'm just going to say this, when I watch some churches in the States, I skip the first 10 minutes and then I start the message because I know it's just going to be like, oh, we love the, the pastor and all that kind of stuff. And I feel like we just don't do that enough here. And I do want to say that after... Being born in church, my dad was a pastor, and being on the front row of church for 50 years, I've never, ever had the opportunity to work under someone as humble and as um, 
just spurring on my own spiritual life as Andrew and being a woman in ministry, that hasn't always been an easy thing. And he allows us the space to flourish here as staff and under his leadership, we have a really great space to be in. So I just wanted to throw that out and say it because I don't think we do it enough.